Philip Lovestrom. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Opibus, the largest EV manufacturer on the continent of Africa. You don't want to miss this one. He'll also share insights about his superpower being an action-oriented visionary. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Philippe, thank you so much for joining us today. This is such an exciting thing to have you all the way from Kenya to join us for this conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks, Devin. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm very excited about this conversation and what we shall yield from it. Oh, thank you. Uh, we're excited to talk to you about the amazing work that you're doing there in Kenya with uh, making electric vehicles. And uh, I'm excited because you're doing this on a relatively large scale. If, you know, continent-wise, you're the, the biggest electric vehicle manufacturer already. Uh, but you're doing this on relatively modest dollars compared to, say, Rivian that just raised billions of dollars, right? You're you're operating, um, you, you've launched, you're selling vehicles and have been for a while for much and having raised much less than, uh, than Rivian, for instance. So tell us a little bit about where you are. Give us a, give us the picture. Yeah, sure. I mean, we are, we're definitely in a different state than, than, uh, Rivian and a bunch of, bunch of the global giants, right? So, I mean, we have set up shop here and made sure that our first priority, um, from day one when we got here was to actually get vehicles out on the roads, um, make sure that we get homologated, safe, high quality vehicles um, out in um, utilization that are actually built here. So step one was to, step one was just to assemble a vehicle here. We've taken the route of um, conversions for our vehicles because that's just a lower threshold because what we're doing is just building a, building a foundation, right? We're building a foundation of engineering knowledge. We're building a foundation for our company when it comes to deploying products um, and, you know, generating revenue to prove that there is a case for electric vehicles in Eastern Africa and in Kenya and Sub-Saharan Africa, right? Because when we started, there was no other actor here. When we started, there was nothing happening. Uh, so we had to, we had to pretty much start from, from scratch, from zero. Um, there's, I mean, quite a noticeable difference between being the first actor in an area and then being the second, second uh, biggest one, right? Yeah. Um, uh, right. Look at the look at the comparison of of uh, Tesla's uh, uh, IPO and the the uh, valuation that now Rivian came on with, right? So, I mean, we're we're yeah. paving paving the way for for both us and future companies to come. Yes, uh, well, it, it is exciting to see your pro your, your progress and. Uh, you're doing just such amazing things in several different product lines. So let's, I kind of want to go through all of them because I think each one has a unique impact on the world uh, in terms of climate change and on the community. Uh, but uh, let's start with electric buses. Uh, getting sure. people on electric buses seems like that is just a, a magic formula for reducing emissions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Buses and public transport in in Kenya and in many parts of Sub-Saharan Africa is one of the big polluters. Um, we are this region is left with secondhand trucks or vehicles that um, have very low emission standards. So not only is it internal combustion engines, it's it's quite poor um, internal combustion engines as well. So making these vehicles electric 
um, by either conversions or building building new ones. That has a massive impact for the uh, for the emissions that we are seeing here, for both the uh, local emissions in the cities as well as the greenhouse gas emissions that is impacting the globe as we see them. And this just creates an, a, an you know incredible opportunity for us to focus on two things. One, um, focus on um, cost reduction for our clients because they will spend so much less on an electric vehicle um, compared to a combustion engine vehicle. We're talking at least 50%, probably more. Um, that is a lot of money when you're driving hundreds of kilometers per day. Um, and yeah. the second part is that it has a massive um, emissions mitigation potential. And that is really what we're focused on. So if, if we just take it back to our strategy of approaching both technology and market cases, uh, we've said from day one that we do not need to develop new technology to actually implement um, climate change, um, the climate change transition that we're all waiting for. If that is about electrifying a transport uh, fleet or whatever it is, we have solutions today that work. You just need to package it in, a re- in the right way. And by the way, we package it, we make sure that it's attractive from a financial standpoint for clients. And instead of instead of going, we're going to develop, you know, the perfect electric pickup for, for the globe, we're saying, what use case do we have today? And what technology do we have today that match each other? And by doing that, we then make sure that we, we get solutions that we deploy today. Because our solutions yeah. are definitely too expensive for a small private vehicle. And we're not going to reach the same price point as, as some of the other global OEMs. But our price points are perfect for niche vehicles like buses or public transport, uh, the public transport sector, where we can adapt the size of battery pack, for example. We can do all of these kind of things to just make sure that we get more green technology out there and more green technology utilization. Let's talk a little bit about the buses from a practical standpoint, because uh, this is such an important uh, piece of the business and such a high impact mm-hmm. thing. Um, how are your clients configuring them in terms of batteries and range capacity? And then how are they dealing with the charging uh, so that the buses can be optimized during, you know, at least peak traffic times, maybe all day. Tell us a little bit about how that's all being managed. Sure. Sure. I mean, this is, this is very much like, I mean, it's easy to draw parallels to to early days Tesla when they started out because they had to provide the full ecosystem and we have to do the same thing here, right? We have to provide the the charging infrastructure to make sure that we can um, to make sure that we can um, use these at, at the capacity that's needed. So what we're doing right now is that we're deploying the fastest chargers on the on the African continent, as far as we are aware, um, and we minimize the battery packs. So instead of saying, hey, uh, here, take this bus with 400 kilometer range, if they are only driving 45 kilometers, let's give them per, per single trip, right? But in a full day, mm-hmm. they drive 400 kilometers. What we do is that we provide them with a bus that can take them about 120, 130 kilometers. And then we put charging stations in each end. So we can minimize the raw material that's used for batteries. Um, but they charge at every end and top up the batteries with uh, just enough to um, just enough to bring it back up to 100 percent right so it's a pretty it's a pretty smart way to reduce the uh, reduce the uh, batteries that we need to use um, which has both a material impact from for, for the world 
it is also a very smart way to reduce the full cost of the system. By customizing in this way, we can we can make the whole solution cheaper, which makes mm-hmm. uh, make sure that we have a fast return on investment. And this is now where where it starts getting interesting. Like I said, where is the um, where does the technology meet the the use case today? Where where does the technology that we have accessible that is available meet the implementation cases where we can use electric mobility? Um, and that's where yeah. we, for example, started out with sub- electric safari vehicles, which was our first product, because they have so many benefits from um, utilizing electric vehicles when it comes to their uh, to the branding perspective, when it comes to their green ethos of uh, what they want to create, because they see the changes in ecosystems. So they're extremely motivated to move away from, from fossil fuel vehicles, for example. So that yeah, was a great right. entry market. It was perfect for us to start with. And it made sense for them from uh, for so many different reasons. Um, and a lot of these um, a lot of these camps have the have the possibility to pay for these solutions. Sure, and I think sure. that's that's how we should approach it. Instead of trying to instead of trying to um, optimize our way to a you know private industry um, or sorry private sector vehicle where we where we are. Uh, looking at um, you know the the car that you use to commute because that's the approach we've taken in Europe and in in the US. Um, mm-hmm. We've said we've said okay, how can we make everybody's private vehicles electric as fast as possible? And that's very difficult because you have so many so many different uh, ways of using these. Whereas commercial vehicles, they usually drive from point A to point B. It's very easy to calculate how many ba- how much batteries you need. It's very easy to calculate what your where your charging stations are. Um, and it's uh, it has a very clear return on investment from a commercial perspective. Yeah. That's genius, genius. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's jump to motorcycles now. You're, mm-hmm. you're making electric motorcycles. Great. Uh, tell us about, you know, the, the, the product itself. I'm curious about all the things that, that go into that and, and what, it, what it's like to use. And then, of course, tell us a little bit about the market. Who's, who have you designed that for? So, I mean, that's the motorbikes are as well an extremely interesting market when it comes to emissions um, reductions and, and the potential of that. The sheer amount of motorbikes is, is um, I'm, I mean, I'm not a native English speaker, but I would definitely say bonkers. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a, it's a crazy amount. I mean, there are, there are hundreds of thousands of motorbikes going out um, every year in, in every single country in East Africa. Uh, approximately 5% of the population in Sub-Saharan Africa uh, earn their uh, daily, the majority of their daily income from riding a motorbike. So motorbikes are a huge part of the infrastructure system here, right? Either for a taxi or for deliveries or, um, yeah, end-of-mile deliveries or... There's a, there's numerous numerous different ways that they participate in in society as a crucial function, um, but what we also know about motorbikes is that they do not have, um, you know, a strong cleaning mechanism for their for their um, emissions for their uh, for both for local or global uh, gases that they emit. Right. So, what we have done is that we've said that today technology is at a point that where we can with the appropriate scale and design we can reach a cost point um a yeah a costing point of um, electric motorbikes where we can make them almost the same cost as a petrol bike 
and you still save at least 50% of your daily operating expenditure or your operating costs on this. So through what we wanna we, what we wanna make sure, not today, not tomorrow, but in, in a year or two from now, we wanna make sure that the the um, cost of our motorbike that we deploy into the market um, means that you stand there and you're gonna buy a new motorbike and you say either I'm gonna spend $1,300 on a petrol bike and then spend four or $5 per day on fuel, or I'm gonna spend $1,300 on an electric motorbike. I'm gonna spend $2 on electricity for charging it. And those are the choices that, that you will you will be facing. Um, and by doing that, we can reduce emissions to um, Quite, quite frankly, a lot. Um, there is, it's, it's a massive, massive scale. I'm not, I'm not gonna um, pretend to give you any any numbers now, but we're talking about a significant part of the uh, emissions reductions that Kenya has promised in, in their naturally, um, nationally determined contributions, um, right? Which is a part of the Paris Agreement, yeah. which is at least something to strive towards, but. We need to, of course, strive to to achieve as much as possible as soon as possible. And we all have a responsibility to that. So we are taking our responsibility by focusing on the products that actually actually create the biggest change, right? And fortunately enough, they have a match with um, the products that also makes a lot of commercial sense from a, um, from a revenue perspective, from a um, return on investment for the client perspective as well as for a from a perspective when you look at the available technology. Yeah. Now, the buses are built, typically you're rehabilitating uh, an old bus, mm-hmm. a used bus, uh, and, and retrofitting it with the electric equipment, the battery and the motors. Correct. With the motorcycles, are you building new ones from the ground up or are you retrofitting old ones? Oh, no, we are doing uh, completely new ones for the motorbikes just because of the sheer scale and production capacity that we need to reach. Um, mm-hmm. Conversions make sense for um, some types of vehicles that are, um, yeah, that have higher value because you, you will always have a certain percentage of labor that will be higher with a conversion than with building a new vehicle just because the, there is some standardization that you just cannot do. And that's where you do sure. good engineers and great engineers. And that's what we what we have in Kenya. Kenya has an amazing set of engineers and we have come in here. I mean, I'm from I'm from Sweden, but we have come in here and added electric vehicle knowledge and electric vehicle um, engineering capacity. Um, but that is to an already existing um, fantastic foundation of engineers. Yeah. You uh, have been doing some, I think you called them safari vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look like pretty traditional pickup trucks to me, but talk a little bit about those. Do you still do those or have you moved beyond that now? No, so that is still part of our product portfolio. And that was our, that was our first product. Um, and we have... We would partly pass that we're focusing much more on developing buses and motorbikes for the for the bigger markets. Um, but all of this is very much within the same technology suites and technology architecture. And that's where we are focusing. That's why it's relatively easy for us to have quick turnarounds because the architecture and the, the ecosystem of technology that we have developed already is quite quick and easy to 
um, integrate into new platforms. And with a new platform, I mean uh, the comparison between a, a bus or two different types of pickups, um, and etc. So all the development learnings that we have on a bus go straight into our, our pickups and our utility vehicles as well. Um, because this is, I mean, we started out in the Safari market, but there is a big market within, um, for example, the mining industry, um, within all kinds of utility vehicles where you are carrying heavy loads or you're driving in rough terrains, right? Which is quite similar to a um, to a Safari vehicle that jumps around jumps around Masamara filled with tourists. Yeah, well, it's. Um... It's a really cool introductory product. I'm glad you're still making it. Uh, and and I, I presume these are retrofitted like the buses. These are pickup trucks that you buy exactly. and retrofit as electric vehicles, right? Exactly. Because um, this it, it makes sense in a in a country where um, you have almost 95% of the vehicles coming into the country being secondhand vehicles. Um, for us to be able to reach our targets of... of uh, um, of the the amount of emissions that we wanna that we wanna mitigate both on a local scale as well as on a on a global global scale, we need to we need to do more than what the global uh, electric vehicle production capacity is today, right? Because we're yeah. we might be might be putting out uh, a few million vehicles per year, but we still have one point two billion vehicles in the world today. So we need to make sure that we can as, make as many of them electric as soon as possible. And sure, this, the sure. technology that we're developing here and the technology we, we put to use here and that we're deploying is part of that solution. Definitely not the only one. I, I have a massive respect for um, the, the there is a there is a big part of the world that are all working towards the same targets. Um, and I don't think that there is a lot of competition because we need all solutions and we need all solutions as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. Uh, let's talk about your solar panels and your solar equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you do inverters in the whole shebang for people. T tell us a little bit about your that market and how that's growing for you. So this is the, this is the same thing, right? It started out as a as a fact that we needed to provide an ecosystem, we need to provide quite high high tech um, um, high tech lithium battery storage solutions as we as we enter the market. Um, we have been one of the first in the in the whole area in the region that has done that, and this is very much uh, um, this is a very strong strong focus of ours to make sure that we can provide as many. Um, as many as many uh, green solutions as possible without spreading ourselves too thin. So this is, again, still based on the same architecture as we are deploying in our vehicles today. Um, there's a lot of design learnings in between there because a company of our size, we can't develop too many products, right? So we need to make sure that we are smart with how we develop them and make sure that we have integrations, integrations between the products in a really good way. Um, and, and therefore use the same type of architecture and same type of ecosystem in that. Um, but the, the solar panels are pretty much, um, they're based on, on solar and they're based on battery solutions and storage solutions, right? Because there is today a lot, a, a big part of Canada, East Africa that is um, still not connected to a grid. Uh, and we can provide a lot of solutions for that. Um, so we, 
deploy them both as part of our charging solutions for electric vehicles, uh, but also as individual and independent um, solutions to homes, families, hospitals, um, companies, or different types of uh, entities that need need energy access, because that's that's what it's about. My visit to Kenya a few years ago left me with the impression mm -hmm. that the grid where it exists isn't fully reliable. People aren't able to count on the, the power. And so there's a, a lot of people seem to be deploying solar as a backup source of power or an auxiliary mm -hmm. power source. I remember being in meetings and the, the, the grid power would go off and on during the meeting and, and different devices would go on and off each time because on solar power only the, the air conditioner would go off, but the lights would stay on, uh, for instance. Uh, what, how are people using your solar panels, your systems in grid connected communities? Yeah, that's, um, that's quite accurate. And that's still the case that we have, we have quite a lot of, um, um, problems with the grid, but it's not actually about energy supply. It's about uh, grid um, build and the quality of the the um, quality of the grid and the transfer capacity of the grid. So um, Kenya actually has an overproduction of energy as it is today, uh, which is why electric vehicles become increasingly important because we should make use of that energy. Um, and the grid in itself is 80% renewables, right? There is a lot of thermal, there's a lot of hydro, uh, wind and solar, which is amazing, but uh, wow. yeah, like you're you're saying, the the grid definitely has some issues with its um, transfer capacity, um, and there's quite a lot of people who who um, tend to gravitate towards our solutions of of lithium batteries um, because of over the lifespan, the lifespan of lithium batteries are just far superior to lead acid batteries as it is today, oh, sure. as you might, might, might be aware. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm happy to say that there, since we got started here, there is quite a number of actors that has moved into the market offering different types of lithium battery solutions, um, which I'm very, very happy with, cause that's the, that's the technology we, we should be deploying at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is an amazing effort that you're making. Uh, give us a sense of scale uh, for how things are going and how you project things to go over the next few years. Uh, so we have a sense of where you are and where you're going. Yeah. I mean, asking an entrepreneur about scale is, is a, it's a good question. We're, of course, going to be the world's, world's biggest supplier of electric vehicles. Um, but no, but um, I think there is a, um, at this point, we're very much focusing on getting it right. I mean, that's where we are in our in our company journey and company history, right? So we're deploying products quite cautiously, making sure that we get the, the uh, you know, we get the product rights, we get the, the quality rights, um, we get the uh, production capacity correct we get the suppliers and you know everything we make we there are so many parts in the chain of developing a product and deploying a product that needs to happen and i think that's where um that's where we have a lot of interesting interesting things ahead of us when it comes to all of these massive electric vehicles vehicle companies that has an extremely high valuations and it's it's not only one there's there's quite a number of them 
that has never deployed a single product. And that's a knowledge that you need to have and you need to build, right? And that's where we are different because we want to make sure that we deploy and iterate as quickly as possible so that we can scale as quickly as possible because you can develop a, a company, uh, sorry, you can develop a product in all eternity, but if you never hit the market, you're never going to get the, the feedback yeah. or the scale you need. So right now we're focused on uh, deploying, you know, um, relatively modest levels of, of products, uh, testing them on uh, a couple of different markets, both within Kenya and within Sub-Saharan Africa. So making sure that we get motorbikes to several several different markets um, to make sure that our product to market fit is correct. Making sure that our you know telemetry will work um, the way it's intended to. Making sure that the um, that the user stories are similar in in different areas, which I can tell you they are they are not. So mm-hmm. there's a couple of things we need to change in our change in our designs to make sure that we can we can fit several spectrums on on the same on the same product. Um, yeah. So right now we're we're targeting to to deploy a few thousand motorbikes next year, and then um, a few tens of thousands of motorbikes the year after that in 2023, um, and then after that we want to make sure that we can scale as quickly as possible up to um, up to a couple of hundred thousands of motorbikes um, by the mid of this decade, because that's yeah. that's wow. really where we where we need to be. And that's the production capacity we need to build. And we're focusing very much now on making sure that we get um, suppliers and producers and manufacturers with us that can follow us on that journey and follow us on that trajectory to make sure that they can grow with us as, as we grow and scale up. Yeah. You recently completed a, a round of financing that included mm-hmm. uh, both a grant portion and uh, equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm guessing that you'll need to raise additional equity to help fund the expansion. Uh, that that can't all be funded by profits. Is, what's your What's your plan for capitalizing the business as you grow? No, that's um, quite um, quite accurate. I mean, we started out with the first two and a half years of this business um, completely bootstrapped, without any kind of equity investment, a few grants some depth, but primarily focused on, um, primarily focused on organic growth because we wanted to make sure that we got our perspective of it right. We got, we figured out the market, figured out what the market needs. We figured out the, where we should focus our energy. That energy has ended up being on motorbikes and buses, um, because it's very easy to come in and say, we're going to do, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to, um, only focus on the pickup or the utility market. But if we would have done that, we would have missed out that actually the most interesting markets are the ones that are going to be the biggest in urban communities because urban urban communities in Africa are growing um, the fastest. Africa as a continent is growing the fastest in the world. And transport solutions in these cities are going to be motorbikes and buses. So if we want to be in the future of the market, we should focus on motorbikes and buses we should focus on catering for um, solutions that reduce the emissions in these areas um, and then make sure that we can deploy them as, as uh, quickly as possible. And with figuring a bunch of these things out and with raising the biggest round of, of um, financing for electric mobility in uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, um, in, in the history of Sub-Saharan Africa so far, um, we, of course, 
need to see for both you and me and for everyone watching and listening that this is just the start of it. If we actually want to seriously deploy these solutions, we need to put a lot more money to work. Um, so we are going to we're going to race a few more rounds. Um, we have the possibility of stopping and living off the revenue that um, uh, that we are creating through the products we're deploying, um, which is again one of the differences between between us and others. Which is a very for for me as a entrepreneur, it's very um, I'm very grateful for that because it makes mm -hmm. my life a bit easier. Because when I go out fundraising. I don't need the fundraising to survive. I need the fundraising to scale up. But of course, we are going to uh, fundraise to scale up uh, quite uh, quite aggressively because with figuring out the recipe of how to do this in the best way for this region, um, the thing that we need now is to hit it at scale. And that is that needs to happen fast. Yeah, that's that's exciting. Well, I, I am so excited about what you're doing. I'm thrilled to hear it. Uh, I, I'm already trying to uh, convince you to come back uh, in a couple of years and tell us how you're doing. Uh, maybe every year uh, for the rest of your life. Uh, I don't want you to feel like an indentured servant, but uh, we want you to <laughs> we want you to come back. Yeah, and tell us how you're doing. Um, yeah. Of course. But uh, Philippe. Uh, You've accomplished a lot already, and I'm excited about where you're going. But tell us, what is your superpower? So this is an this is an interesting question, and I think that you can you can pitch it in in so many different ways. Um, I have always been well. First of all, I think our superpowers come comes a bit from from can come at least from what our I don't know what what to call it the 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 flaws in our personalities are. So I've always been a dreamer. I've always been a visionary. I've always been someone who uh, has um, had big ambitions and grand ambitions. But for a long part of my my life and my childhood, that never really amounted to anything. I would spend a long time um, and a lot of time daydreaming, daydreaming, and thinking about you know to do and what to create and I've always been building things and doing things but it never really amounted to anything um, because I spent all my time daydreaming and envisioning what what could be so I think my superpower has come from that come from that flaw right from the flaw of never actually creating anything I have instead been become extremely um, you know focused on breaking things down taking a big vision and saying, okay, so we're going to be the biggest um, electric vehicle supplier on the African continent, uh, perhaps for the full global south. How does that break down to what I do today and tomorrow? Today, that is recording a podcast with you. Tomorrow, that is uh, developing um, developing our next generation of motorbikes. But step by step. Uh, breaking things down into smaller portions. Some people call that first principle of thinking, of, of just breaking things down into into their fundamentals. Um, yeah, I think you can apply it in so many different ways, but that is definitely something that has helped me tremendously with both building this company, uh, with both uh, as well as keeping us on, on track to what we want to do um, and uh, keeping us on track towards our, our visions and 
what we're trying to create here, which is a, a, a carbon-free society, right? And emissions. I think that's yeah. that's a brilliant superpower. And um, I wonder if you can identify examples of how you applied that approach mm-hmm. to a particular problem or challenge and had it work out so that our audience can kind of get a little deeper into your head and figure out how to do this. I mean, there's a, there are so many different levels of, of how to do this. Um, one, one part of this, one part of this is definitely to take a step back from what you're actually doing. Right. And instead of getting caught up in the, in the details of the moment to see what they, um, to see what they fundamentally mean. Um, it's a good, it's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it may be a challenge for you to think of one off off the top of your head here, but uh, any example would help us figure out how to apply this thinking to real life situations. I mean, there, there are two different ways depending on depending on how you um, want to view this, right? I think I think a good example is um, is what I've been speaking about when it comes to our strategy and our approach to technology, um, which is instead of um, instead of staring ourselves blind at um, the types of products that we could be creating, uh, fundamentally, what we want to do is to reduce emissions, right? And that's part of the first principle. Right. We, we want to reduce emissions. And instead of going the route of the, the, the cars that we usually see, let's look at the cars that have the most emissions and let's try and reduce as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a bit to make sure that this makes, um, makes proper sense. So uh, <laughs> follow with me here. Um, okay. But part of this is part of this now if we've decided that that is our mantra, that the, the mantra is that we want to reduce emissions as much as possible, we're looking at uh, the cars that emit the most, right? This is part of this is part of first principle thinking, right? Which is what Elon mm-hmm. Musk speaks about and, and all of this, and that is that is one side of, of the superpower I'm talking about. But it's it's primarily primarily on the side of looking at okay. If we if we now want to create these electric vehicles, which is the which is the step that we take today, is that to um, is that to lay out a strategy towards developing a new vehicle? Is that to lay out a strategy um, towards um, implementing electric vehicles as fast as possible? And that becomes your own um, that becomes your own guidance, right? That becomes your own strategy of what you want to um, create. That becomes your it's tricky. It's a good question, yeah. Devin. It is. Well, I'm, I'm uh, trying to. I'm trying to make it very, very clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I appreciate that. Let's let's come at this a different way, Philippe, just for a moment. But as you think about this talent, the skill, the superpower you've developed, and this approach to thinking and first principles, how would you? teach someone to apply this and maybe you do that maybe you teach this to your employees uh, uh, or your executive team but tell us a little bit about how you think you could teach us to be more like you right so i think uh, from 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 how i see this 
it's very much about identifying identifying the core of what you want and identifying how you want to create that and instead of staring yourself blind at how many steps it is to get there you start identifying a few milestones along the way but primarily you start walking because it's not it's not one giant step that covers a thousand steps that will get us somewhere it's a thousand steps covering one giant step yeah and i think break, breaking it down in, into start walking and start learning is is how we actually actually engage with um with the real problems it's so it's so easy to miss out um you know to not see the forest for all the trees or to to look at a mountain and and be scared of it instead of just start walking now the the tricky question is which direction do you walk um and and what do you actually do day to day um but that is I think it's more important to do something than to do nothing. Yeah. Well, uh, I certainly share that belief uh, mm. and I'm excited about what you are doing. And certainly I see the application of that in your uh, evolution, right? You started not by building a business plan and raising capital. You started by converting safari vehicles to electric and selling them and making money and proving there was an opportunity and then grew that into buses and now motorcycles, et cetera, et cetera. So this is, yeah, this is, that's a, uh, that's a good, good example, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, pretty much what uh, we're doing at this point. Yeah. So it's, it's brilliant work. Uh, Philippe, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, before you go, uh, mm -hmm. I'd invite you to take a minute and tell people uh, how they can learn more about you. Uh, I, I know there are a lot of people who are, you know, climate activists who will watch this, who, who want to just follow your progress and cheer you on. Uh, there are others who may be interested in investing down the line. Others uh, who may be listening, because we do have uh, listeners in Africa that may be trying to figure out how to get a scooter from or a motorcycle from you or a bus. Mm -hmm. So tell us how people can follow you, get learn more, get in touch. Sure. So, I mean, first of all, thank you very much for listening for the ones that have has made it this far. Um, I'm very grateful for your interest in both climate change as well as in what I'm doing. And I'm very happy that you're hopefully probably participating in, in the fighting of climate change um, and making the world a better place. And if you're not, you're more than welcome to join the fight. Um, you can find out a lot more about us at opibus.se. Uh, you can also follow our Instagram. You can check out our Facebook page, our LinkedIn page, or uh, Twitter, um, Twitter page. So pretty much anywhere where you uh, have a social media account, you can find us under OPIBUS. Fantastic. Well, Philippe, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today. It's a thrill to get this update and to see what you're doing. Uh, and I want to wish you every possible success in scaling this business to the moon and beyond. Thank you. Thank you very much, Evan. Pleasure to be here. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, 
we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.